All right, good morning. It's good to be here with all of you this morning. I'm just trying to get situated here. I got my notes right, right next to me here. Well, it's good to be here, here with you this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Devin Clemmer. I am currently a student at Lancaster Bible College. I'm studying pastoral ministry. And part of pastoral ministry means I might have to get up and speak. And uh, here I am. I knew about this in, uh, in May, of, of, uh, May of this year. And Tim asked me, um, he didn't force me into it, but he, uh, he just asked me, do you want to do this? And I said, uh, sure. I don't want to do it right away. He said, I could do it May 29th or something like that. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do it in September so the day never comes. <laughs> and uh, here I am standing in front of you. So, no, I'm excited to be here, um, even through all the nerves um, of this, but excited to, to tell you what's going on in my heart, what God's been teaching me um, through the past couple months. So overall, I've seen God work in my life in many ways to get me to this moment. Um, if I would have you would have seen me in high school, you never would have thought I would be here standing in front of you. I uh, decided to take a public speaking class, too, when I was in high school. I thought I might go into computer engineering or something of that sort, so I tried out a computer science class. I didn't like that. I thought ministry. Why not try out ministry? I saw my grandfather do that. He was, he was a pastor here um, before Tim, so I saw his example. And I thought, well, I might have to public, do public speaking if I'm in ministry. And uh, the, first, the first speech that I had went with, off without a hitch, as you can imagine. Um, it was incredible. Um, I was feeling amazing in the moment. I, I had clarity of mind. I knew what I was going to say. Everyone knew what I was talking about. I, my face didn't get red at all. I didn't shake. I didn't stutter. I... Uh, thought it went flawlessly. And I thought, okay, yeah, I, I can do this. And uh, you probably can guess it didn't turn out that way. It, it didn't. I was doing everything the wrong way. And it made me question, like, and I thought, God, why, why do you want me to get into this? Do you really want me to get into pastoral ministry and stand up in front of people? I'm an introvert. Why would I? I would never want to do that. And I'm sure you introverts out there can maybe sort of feel what I'm feeling right now. It is scary to get up in front of people. But through that, I got, I got so in, my mind got so driven to try and learn public speaking, and I didn't know what God would do, with, do through that in that moment. And it reminded me this week of how I can get so driven into certain things. I can get so driven to, to learn public speaking, to understand how to speak in front of a crowd, to speak from God's word. Or I can get so involved into sports. For some of you that know, I'm huge into tennis. I love tennis. Watching the US Open this week, it is really fun to watch. Um, if you got to see Serena and her last farewell, that was, that was pretty cool. But get so into it, get so driven, and it pulls me away from God. And I notice how quickly the things of this life pull me away. And maybe for, for, the, for some of you, it's the same way. Maybe it's your job that's pulling you away from God. Maybe you're, you're trying to 
please other people. You're trying to get favor and reputation from other people. And you drive so hard at it, your mind is so driven. But then God falls to the wayside. And it happens so quickly to me, and I believe I'm not the only one that deals with that. So this morning I want to dive into a little bit of what do you do when you're so driven for that one thing or for a couple things in your life? What do you do when you get pulled away from God? So I'd like to invite you to turn to John 4 this morning. We're going to be looking into the woman at the well. This this is a passage that's been on my mind for a couple months, um, and I've been thinking and mulling it over of how to bring it to you this morning. But through this passage, I really want to show, and we can see that God, that Jesus, when he came to this earth, he he gives us hope. He gives us hope, and he doesn't want us to miss it. All the things of this life want to pull us away, the materials, the, the accomplishments, whatever you're up to in life, it wants to pull you away. Satan wants to get you away from that so that you forget about how God is working in your life and what he has done for you. So Jesus provides hope, and he doesn't want you to miss it. So if, I'm going to be going in and out of the text a little bit this morning. Um, I'm going to read a little bit and summarize a little bit and pull, pull a couple concepts from there. So in, in the early part of this chapter, we see Jesus going to Samaria. He's going to this town of Samaria, and he has this um, idea. He wants to meet with this woman. The woman doesn't know it at this point, but he is going to Judea to continue his early ministry in Galilee. So he comes to this well, and we pick up in in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. We'll stop there. So immediately there's this disconnect. She's a, she's a Samaritan woman. He's a Jew. Culturally, this should never happen. Should never happen. See, back then, Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They're part Jew and part Gentile. And the Jews looked down on them. They, they did not like them. They despised them because of who they were. And in that time, too, public conversation between men and women especially even during, between strangers, it's not something that usually happens. It happens in our culture, and we, we think it's just normal. But back then, he's a stranger to her. He's a Jew. She's a Samaritan woman. So all, right away, there's this disconnect. And I, I think, too, in our culture, we see, we dis, we see disconnects even around us, too. So we got anyone excited for the uh, football season coming up? I know, I'm excited. I got to watch college football a little bit yesterday. I'm an Alabama fan. Um, I'm sorry. You can blame my grandmother for that. 
Um, but I, I love Alabama football, um, and I've really enjoyed watching it. And I also am an Eagles fan. I'm sure we got some Eagles fans in here um, also. But when you hear Cowboys versus Eagles, what do you feel? If you know anything about football, anything about those teams, there is an immediate feeling of angst, like, ah, oh, the Cowboys. And I'm sure Cowboys fans are saying, ah, oh, Eagles. It's such a, a, a ridiculous rivalry that gets so built up over these years, we feel it. And in our culture, that's just a normal thing. We feel that disconnect. Also, I think about the times when we're driving, and I know a lot of you are driving in here right now, and you see a, an out-of-state license plate. What do you feel when you see an out-of-state license plate? It might be a little bit uncomfortable. You, you see a New Jersey plate and you're thinking, uh-oh, I've got to watch out for this person. I'm worried. Something could go wrong. And there's this immediate tension, this disconnect that we feel in our culture. But when, when it gets, what happens when it gets deeper? And I think this happens a lot. I see this in, in college too, where uh, I'm trying to meet other people and I look out and I see a person and I make a stereotype about that person or I make a quick judgment call. Because in the culture, it doesn't seem right that I should reach out to this person or that person because they're different. They're not like me. They don't have the same personality. They grew up differently. Maybe they grew up in a different country than I did and have a totally different view of the world, how it works, what they believe. And I think, I think we face that in our daily jobs and the, the things that we're doing. And there's this immediate cultural disconnect that gets so tight and hard. And ultimately, we just want to, we just want to run. And I just want to run sometimes, too, because it's not comfortable. And we tend to do what we feel is comfortable. So it, it doesn't quite fully connect, but you see what Jesus is sort of getting into here. He's getting into a, a, an awkward cultural situation that people would look at him and make a quick judgment and say, ah, this shouldn't happen, just because he's a Jew and she is a Samaritan woman. But Jesus doesn't enter in without purpose. It's not just a, a, a fun call. He comes with a purpose. And we want to pick up back in the text here in verse 10. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our fathers Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks this water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I will, won't be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus comes here with, with a purpose. He's not just coming for a casual call. He's, he's coming and saying, 
there's this living water. And this woman's not quite getting it. She's looking at the well right in front of her, and she's, she knows the water's right there. But Jesus is talking about living water. So it's the difference between her. she's taking it literally, and he's talking about it figuratively and looking to make a point. And I think here Jesus is tugging at an issue at the heart, a heart issue here. And she's, she's not fully getting it, but what we can see here is he's tugging at a heart issue, saying that the water that you drink here, you will be thirsty again. In other words, saying the things of this world will not satisfy. They just won't. The accomplishments that you, you have, the reputation that you have, the job that you have, the family you have, everything, everything that you hold so dear to your heart, the things that can try and pull you away, will not satisfy. And I think about this for myself. I, I think tennis will satisfy. I love tennis. I'll talk tennis all day. I'll probably bore you by, by just going on and on about it. But tennis is one thing that can pull me away. And that's the thing of this world that won't satisfy me. So this woman is... Um, this woman is not making this connection. We can see the connection maybe for, the, for this, this time, but Jesus wants to go deeper. He wants to go deeper into this woman's life. So let's, let's pick up and read in verse 16 to 20. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So the woman doesn't fully answer this question. Um, she, she hides behind it. She doesn't say, she doesn't lie about it. But she doesn't say what really is going on. And Jesus points right into that deep part of her heart and says, you're right. You don't, just, you don't have a husband. You have five. And he, he gets into this area of brokenness and sin that she is living in. This, this hard part, this soft spot of her heart. Maybe that she doesn't want anyone to see. She wants to run and hide from that. And that's, that's amazing that she wants to run and hide from that. Because honestly, I probably would too. If there was a person that knew everything about me, all my hidden secrets, all the things that I try and hide from people, because if they knew it, they would look at me differently. They would treat me differently. And I don't want that. So I'm going to hide it. I may not say the full truth, but part of the truth, just to get away with it and move on. But Jesus instead points right to the heart. And I think it would be hard, it would definitely be hard for me, and I'm sure it'd be hard for you, if you had a friend that could just point and say, yeah, this is what you're dealing with. This is, this is the, the part of your life 
that, is, that brings out such a deep pain in you. That would, that would certainly hurt, and I wouldn't want to run, a, run and hide from that. I'd say, no, I don't, want, I don't want you to go there. I think we all feel the same way. But what if that friend didn't speak unkindly to you about that? And that's what I think, that's what I see God doing here, what, what I see Jesus doing here. He doesn't speak and condemn her for what she's done. Could have easily just thrown the metal rod down on her or whatever, however you want to say it, and said, you're a sinner. You don't deserve me. I, I can't be in your presence. He does something totally different. And I think he does the same thing for us when we're feeling that. Because God does know every hair on our head. He can count the numbers. He knows the deepest part of your soul. And I don't think he treats that for you with condemnation. Now, there will be justice. There will come a day of judgment where he will judge us. For sure, that's coming. And he does judge us for our sin. But ultimately, he has a different purpose. And that's what he wants to reveal to this woman, and I believe to us also here this morning um, in this message. So let's pick up again in verse 21, and then we'll go to verse 26. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Woman, the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Not condemnation. Not a, a metal rod on her for, for her brokenness, for her sin, even for being a Samaritan woman. He's a Jew. He could easily come after her culturally. That would make sense. But no, Jesus doesn't do that. He responds in a different way and looks to reveal himself instead of further reveal the pain and the brokenness that leads that he could lead her to condemnation about. So he reveals more about himself, but and in this he offers hope. He's saying that worship will not be centered in the temples because culturally during that time you would go to the temple to worship God. That would be the place to go, and that's the cultural center of worship. It's not going to be centered there, but all believers will have his spirit for those who choose to believe in him. Those who choose to believe in their hearts and profess with their mouths, those whoever does this will be saved. And this is the hope that he's looking to bring to her where she's at in her situation. And this is all new. 
she would have had an idea about this Messiah that's coming. She would have some background, some, some knowledge. But she didn't understand the full picture. And this is what Jesus does. He lays it out and says, here you go. I am here. I am coming with this mission in mind to save you. And I believe he, he does that for us too. She could have gotten so wrapped up in the world. But now she has something else to look to. Something that provides hope, a future, and everything that she needs. So amazing. It's the big reveal. And Adelie, um, my sister Adelie, she's here. She wanted me to mention Marvel. So here we go. This is my plug for Marvel. You're welcome. But in Marvel, in, in shows and movies, you see these big reveals. Even if you don't know Marvel, you get excited about movies, and you're looking for this one event to come, and then when it does, it's like, whoa. Everything makes sense. The whole plot, all the character development, everything that's led to this moment, this is the big reveal. It makes sense. And this is sort of comparable for her, for this woman. This is the big reveal. And this ultimately leads her to action. See, at the end of the chapter, she goes into the community and she shares about this Messiah, this Christ, who has come for her and also has come for all those people in that community. And that sparks change. People come to see Jesus and get to see who he truly is. He is a savior. He is he's one who cares, who loves you and me and that woman and those people in that community. This is the message of what Christ wanted to reveal to the world. He could have come with trumpets blaring and had this whole show. He could have had a huge reveal. He chose to reveal her to her specifically in this moment. And that's, that's just showing how God cares for the individual. He cares for this woman. He cares for you. So Jesus provides hope. And he doesn't want you to miss it. Just like he didn't want this woman to miss it. In her own brokenness and pain. He said, I am he. I am the Christ. So I just want to close in, in reflecting a little bit uh, in your life. What are those things that you hold dearly to? Could be anything. And, and just fill in the blank in your head. Say, this is, this is the thing that I hold dearly to. And it could be many, many things. For me, it is many things. Is that thing pulling my attention away from God? Am I getting so wrapped up in it that I'm forgetting the revelation that he gave to this woman, that he gives to us, that I am he, I'm the Christ. I'm the one who's going to come save the world from their sin. Do you see that message, or do you see the message of the things of this world just getting into you and enveloping everything in your life? I'm certainly not, not um, innocent of doing that myself. I can get wrapped up in the world. I can. It's the truth of it. But there's more to this life than the world. And that's what Jesus is saying, that I am the one you're looking for. 
Sorry, let me get my notes here together. That's too many papers sometimes. Just got to have less papers up here. But I also encourage you in that um, when you feel maybe convicted that you're getting so caught up in the world and so caught up in the things that you hold so dear to you, even if it's a moment of pain, a loss of a loved one, or if someone gets sick, or something leaves your life and maybe it's a hobby or something you can't do anymore because something came up, you feel this loss. It doesn't mean that we don't go seek God for those answers and ask God to explain and help us through it. It doesn't mean that. We should be going to God in everything. But I don't think he wants us to miss what's most important. And what's most important is his son that came to this world to die for you and for me. And that's the gospel message that we believe, we hope in for the coming days. Jesus desires that we run to him in everything and see the hope that is revealed to us through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Uh, Thank you for the ways you're working in our lives. You're revealing yourself to us. Maybe in the moment we, we want you to reveal something else. We want you to reveal an answer to a deep pain, a deep hurt, or just something that happens in our lives. We want the answer. And we get so wrapped up in that that we forget who you truly are. That you are the one that revealed yourself to this woman, you revealed yourself to this world, came down as the incarnate Christ, the Son of God, with a mission to save the world from sin. Save the world from death. Save the world from the things that we can't, we can't have victory in ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would just be able to pinpoint those things in our mind and say, yes, this is what I'm holding on to. This is what I hold so dear. But not just leave it at that. Go back to your gospel. Go back to your truth. That you are who you say you are. And that we can hold on to that so tightly. I pray that we would not forget that this morning, that you provide hope, and you don't want us to miss that, because that is what we build our lives on as believers. I pray that you would go into our weeks, you would walk alongside with us as you always do, show us the ways you're working, remind us of who you are, because that's what really matters. I pray all this in your name. Amen.